Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with people who know Vegas. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Vegas. As we dive into 2022, we are adjusting our format just a bit. We are planning to bring in our great team of Vegas experts more often as we review the Vegas landscape, including entertainment, gaming, cuisine, history, art, design, and more. Call it Vegas Variety. And today's show is a perfect example. Today, we feature one of the media world's movers and shakers, Rob Barnett, who will share his thoughts on navigating the media opportunities in the 21st century. And then later, there's a new show in town, and the reviews have been great. It's called 27, A Musical Adventure, and is playing at the Virgin Hotel. Also on today's show, you'll hear about one of the best shows in town from your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of Vital Vegas. Mr. Big is here with the story of Virginia Hill in his vintage Vegas crime blotter. Pawn Stars art expert Brett Maley talks about framing in a bit. And the Wizard of Odds, Michael Shackelford, answers the question, are long-term sports bets a good idea? Let's go to Vegas, baby. Let's go tonight. Let's go tonight. Let's go to Vegas. We'll stay up all night. Let's go to Vegas, baby. Let's get away. So it's an easy time to go get a job, so you hear. But if you're in the media business or one of these tougher jobs to get, it can be just as hard as always. And you want that perfect job. You don't just want any job that's available. Have I got a book for you? And really a guy you got to know. His name is Rob Barnett. He's a good friend of mine. He also is the founder of Rob Barnett Media. He was the head of CBS Radio for a while. He founded My Damn Channel, one of the very first original online studios and networks. He understands the business as well as anybody else, but more importantly, he understands how to find a job. Well, Rob, first of all, the book is Next Job, Best Job, A Headhunter's 11 Strategies to Get Hired Now. It is still a tough go if you want to get into this business, isn't it, to get the kind of job you want, and you got to differentiate yourself from everybody else. That's the key, right? I mean, I, I've never quite understood why everybody's resumes and cover letters kind of look like they were written by one person. The job that every job seekers got at all times of an economy bad is to stand out and be the one person that the company wants more than anything. So that's what we're trying to do in this book is give people as many tricks and tools as possible to be that one person that gets the job. You know, it's fantastic because I remember the old knock em dead books, and they were great for their times, but you look at that stuff now, and things are so different and so forth, and your book really hits a different thing. It's like we really moved into the 21st century because it is a whole different process. Yeah, well, there are a lot of old habits that people have when you get to that point and you go, oh, my God, I'm out of work. i got to find something. I mean, the thing that most people spend time doing is endlessly surfing random job postings on random job sites. 
We don't advise that at all. We promote the concept called the targeted job search, where people can really focus this on the places that they want to be and then narrow in to try to figure out how to meet people at those companies. Because if you upload a cold resume, your odds are like walking into Vegas with a dollar and saying, you know, I'm coming out a millionaire. What I like is the book addresses the idea, okay, you get fired or you get furloughed, whatever it is. You got to get past that initial like, oh my God, this is awful. What am I going to do? I'm never going to work again. And you address that right away because I think a lot of people get held back by that fear of what's going to happen. I need something now. I did. I mean, even some of my friends that have had big, incredibly successful jobs have that rug pulled out of you some afternoon at, you know, five o'clock when they call you in and say, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? What I'm about to say is not personal. It's just business. And then you know how the rest of that that call goes. So no matter how successful you've been, if you get fired, especially in, you know, a last minute, no warning kind of way, it can rip your confidence to shreds and it takes a while to build that back. So we do start the book with a couple of chapters on how to get over the agony and get onto the focused purpose that you need to figure out what's next. And you mentioned before rebranding, and it's so important. You know, it's not just the resume, and you're right, everybody looks like they have the same resume, and that's a problem. But it's even like you and I had worked together for a little while. I didn't realize how important a LinkedIn profile was, yet with just a couple of minutes, really, of thinking of things differently, boom, all of a sudden, I saw overnight I was getting 100, 200, 300 people looking at my uh my profile on LinkedIn that I didn't have before. And it's, what is all that? Is it just a different way to, to attract people or how do you do that? Well, if you're lucky, if you're lucky, a job, uh, a company rather is going to give you about 30 seconds to glance at your LinkedIn profile and make a judgment. It's like being on the worst dating site in the world and you're going to get swiped away if you don't find the tricks and the tools that we advise to make that LinkedIn profile as specific as it can be. One of the biggest problems that people make when they're looking for a job is they've got what we call the butcher, baker, candlestick maker problem. People will show two or three different kinds of jobs that they believe they're qualified for, that they know they're interested in. But a company at any given moment is not looking for three or four different kinds of people. They're looking for the one specialist to fill the role that they need. So if there's one thing that we do in this book more than anything, it's teach people how to come up with the answer to the question, what is your North Star? How can you most succinctly define the career title that's going to get you hired next? Back with more from Headhunter, management executive, podcaster, author, and entrepreneur, Rob Barnett, in just a moment. And check out Rob Barnett Media, an inclusive platform for thousands of job-seeking professionals and industry leaders. Do you think you know who will win next year's World Series? And should you bet before the season on it? Well, let's ask the Wizard of Odds, Michael Shackelford. When it comes to things like 
long-term bets, like at the beginning of the season. The big one here, of course, was when the Golden Knights expansion team was like 500 to one, and <laughs> there were some people that were scared. Are those generally kind of good bets? Uh, again, these odds makers are pretty good at it, just like they are on the daily things. But do you like those bets? No, I would not recommend futures bets. For example, will the um, yeah the Boston Red Sox win the World Series? Uh, no, they take about 35 percent juice out of those, so which is a lot. And yes, everyone can always tell some story about some long shot team, you know, taking it all. But as a general rule, I would stay away from futures bets from a mathematical point of view. Now, if you're just a recreational player and you want to throw a hundred bucks on the Orioles to win the World Series and that keeps you entertained for the whole series, all right, go ahead. I'm not going to wag my finger at you, but just mathematically, it's not a great bet. For plenty of great advice on all kinds of gaming, just go to wizardofodds.com. Just a reminder, for great classic sports, it's sports, R-A-C-X, which is available on radio stations nationwide and wherever you listen to podcasts. That's sports, R-A-C-X, short for Sports Rock and Tours. And later today on Sports Rock and Tours, part two of the great conversation with Fred Bolitnikoff of the Oakland Raiders and Willie Lanier of the Kansas City Chiefs. Don't miss it. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Manji, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. Did Louis the Coin really soak the sheets with red wine in Rome? Yes. Did he really tell a federal court after testing positive for cocaine in his 70s that he only used coke for sex? Yes. Well, you can get these tales and more in the great book, You Thought It Was More, Adventures of the World's Greatest Counterfeiters. It's available now at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or at louisthecoinbook.com. That's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or at louisthecoinbook.com. Okay, Sean, we need to talk about our training budget. We're spending almost $1,500 per employee each year. What's the plan? Well, ma'am, 42% of companies are saying that e-learning has led to an increase in revenue. What does that do about the travel expense? E-learning allows employees to learn wherever they are. Then we need to consider the time away from production. I heard that e-learning takes up to 60% less employee time than traditional classroom training. Perfect. Let's find a curriculum company, a development company, a learning management software company. Actually, Epsilon XR specializes in end-to-end learning solutions with tools such as instructor-led training, online classrooms, simulations, virtual and augmented reality, and curriculum development. Get Epsilon XR on the phone. Epsilon XR creates immersive learning environments that engage with your learner, resulting in improved information retention, which leads to better performance and ultimately an increase in revenue. Learn more at elearning.epsilonxr.com. Wayne Klingman, or you might know him better as Mr. Big, is out handling a dispute, but he did want to say thank you for listening to Vintage Vegas Crime Blotter every week. He also wants to remind you you can get copies of his books on Amazon. Just simply search Wayne Klingman, that's spelled C-L-I-N-G-M-A-N, again, Wayne Klingman, for the best in Vegas reading materials. Mm. 
Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Rob Barnett, who's led hundreds of talented creators and executives in senior management roles at MTV, VH1, and Audible and Amazon. He was also the president of programming at CBS Radio. How do you deal with people to say, well, I've never done this kind of job, yet when you see their skill set, you're saying, well, that'd be a perfect fit. Is there that fear people have where they don't want to shoot for the moon, or do you get the people that they all of a sudden want to be the president of a company? Well, you're not there yet. Yeah, you've got to have the right self-assessment going into this to know first what your superpowers are because you've been able to prove it to yourself in previous jobs, but then you've got to be able to prove it to a potential employer on that LinkedIn and on that resume. So that's why we advise a certain method of how to rewrite the resume and how to rewrite the LinkedIn so that the specific achievements that you've done in the past are written in a crystal clear way and they can be seen as that proof that you are qualified for a job at the level that you've achieved. Two more things. One is, it's not just getting the interview and so forth. It's what you do with that interview. It's so important. The book addresses that as well because that's going to be ultimately all this stuff and preparation is crucial, but that's just going to get you an opportunity. You want to be able to close that opportunity. Well, we joke in the book in chapter nine, we call it the perfect 30-minute interview, because, of course, there is no such thing. But, but <laughs> one of the most important things that you can do in that first interview with any company is make sure that they know you've done more homework about them than any other candidate. The greatest mistake people make on a job interview is to make it all me, 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 me. The company needs to know that you are intimately aware of what they're all about and what the needs are at that place. And the only way you can do that is by doing the homework. Yeah, and that's really how you do differentiate yourself from the other competition out there. The other thing, and maybe the most important part, and it's really difficult in these books. They never have enough on this, but I think you cover it well. And that's how to negotiate like a pro, you say, you know, to to land at the yes and to do what you need to do. People do everything right. They even do the great interview and then they can't close it. And if you don't close it again, all that other thing was a waste of time. Yes. People have a very hard time advocating for themselves, especially when it comes down to that magic moment and the job offer is put forth. So we try to give people a lot of ideas about how to get ready for that magic moment when the offer does come and exactly how to respond, whether it's secretly on the button, on that dollar of what you thought you were going to get, whether the offer comes in way too low, or (laughs) let's just make believe they shock us and offer you more than you thought you were going to get. You've got to be ready for any one of those three moments, and you've got to know the right responses. You've got to create the leverage that's needed in order to make a deal as financially strong as it can be. 
It's a great book. You need to get that right now. It's Next Job, Best Job, Headhunters, 11 Strategies to Get Hired Now. You may have a whole library full of books. This will be better. I'm telling you, it's worth it. Also, you can go one step further. You can actually hire Rob. Rob's got a whole media company. He's a headhunter. It's robbarnettmedia.com. And Rob, I just want to talk for a minute about what you do there. I think you're different than anybody I've met in this business because you're a guy that will be an instant friend, and yet you will be so brutally honest. You could tear a person apart. There's great songs that do that. You can rip somebody apart and do it with a smile on your face, and you'll have a smile on your face because it's the stuff we need. We don't like to hear, but ultimately it makes us a much better candidate for future endeavors. <laughs> You're making me laugh. I hope I hope my clients don't feel like I rip them apart, but I definitely <laughs> give them much tough love as we often need when you're at that point in your career and you get stuck. So yes, my my side job is author, new book, but my main job is headhunter. And we work for companies big and small uh, to work as an exclusive and retained headhunter. The companies bring us in when their blessed HR department just isn't working fast enough, isn't getting them the right qualified candidates, that's when we get hired by companies to come in and be able to find the right person for the right job at lightning speed. So on one side of the hiring table, we're working for those companies. And then, as you said, on the other side, we are the uh, soup to nuts coach that a job seeker needs, helping them every step of the way from how to do the LinkedIn, how to do the resume, how to get that cover letter done, how to land the interviews, how to nail the interviews. And then we take a candidate all the way through the process. We also get the references done and we help you negotiate the deal. So we're a full service headhunter. It's really worth your time, especially if you're looking for that particular job you've always wanted. There's no reason you can't get it. I, I think this is as good a time as any, but again, you have to differentiate yourself. It's robbarnettmedia.com, B-A-R-N-E-T-T, robbarnettmedia.com. Hey, Rob, thanks a lot. Best of luck, and hopefully we can have you on again to talk more about this. Thank you so much. Time now to look back and find out who Virginia Hill was and why she is mentioned always with Bugsy Siegel when we discuss Vintage Vegas. Let's ask Mr. Big. You all know the story about Bugsy. He's famous in Vegas lore. With him is his girlfriend, Virginia Hill. We're going to find out more with Mr. Big. Someone that many people don't know a lot about. We need to know that Virginia Hill grew up very, very poor. I mean, absolutely destitute. At an early age, she had to figure out how she was going to survive. She kind of survived by being friendly with the men, if you get my meaning with that. And the men that she was really, really friendly with tended to be in the mafia, where she did many things. A lot of bag work, which would mean go to the location, pick up a bag of usually money, take it to someone else. He, she sometimes say, dated other men. Let's put that one in quotes. I mean, because she knew what she was good at. She knew she was good at making men happy, especially men who didn't have high morals, and neither was she. But then, too, when you grow up poor in Appalachia, how can you afford morals? Let's not judge her too harshly on that. But the most interesting thing about Miss Hill is when she was called in front of the Senate to testify about her relationship with the Mafia, 
is um, she said some things which aren't in, I can't use in family radio, which is uh, what Vegas Never Sleeps is. I would suggest you can look it up on YouTube. It's definitely there. It's definitely illustrative of what she went through at the time. Gold shows me that sometimes we all have to do incredible things that we'd rather not that do. Is how we roll the punches. So Virginia might not be the best person in the world to think about, but does she really truly have many choices? More Vegas mobsters and mayhem again next week with Mr. Big. And remember to check out everything about Mr. Big at MilwaukeeMob.com. Don't forget to listen to Sports Rockin' Tours for the very best in classic sports available wherever you listen to podcasts. Listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi nationwide on the Talk Media Network. Hey, I'm Paul Shortino, and you're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Rock on. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps. There's a new show in town, and the reviews have been great. It's called 27, A Musical Adventure, and it's playing at the Virgin Hotel. If you like great music from different genres, you'll love this show. There are great tribute shows around Las Vegas. You all know that. But one of the really interesting ones is available now. It's over at the Virgin Hotel, a great place to see a great show. It's called 27, A Musical Adventure. And with us is Eric Himmel. Eric is co-producer and musical director of 27, A Musical Adventure. And with him, the guy who plays Jimi Hendrix, Nazim Chambi. Welcome both. Uh, what an exciting concept. Uh, did you realize when you sent this thing out, I know that it, it was originally opened up at the Troubadour on March 10th, right before everything hit the fan, but the response in the room, what I understand, was incredible. People loved it, and the idea of these great legends getting together is something else. So first of all, give us a, if you would, Eric, give us kind of a, a what people can expect to see and how this all developed into a show. Well, what they can expect to see is an actual real concert. There's no tracks. There's nothing faked about the entire show, which is most of the Vegas shows I've seen have got some tracks going. And, you know, uh, we didn't spare any expense. We wanted to make sure that it was a real concert experience for people. The lights are on point. Uh, you know, the musicians are the best of the best. We're an entire cast from Los Angeles that have all now relocated here to do this residency. Uh, so you could really expect uh, when you walk in there that even though it's a smaller room, it would be like going to see, you know, Pink or Katy Perry at, uh, you know, the, the Forum or Staples Center. I mean, that's the level of quality we've brought to this show into that room. And it all came about because it was the brainchild of the main producer, Rami Albatrawi, and he had been wanting to do this show. Uh, he had the concept to do this show for the last 15 years, and just happened to stumble in the Viper Room one night in Los Angeles, and we we met. And you know, he was he saw one of the performers, and it sparked him to to do this idea. And he goes, "Now's the time." And he thought it was a sign from the universe, and that's how we. And, and in two weeks, we did the Troubadour show, like we put it together in two weeks. It's a fantastic idea. The fact that these great great entertainers died at age twenty seven, and you look at them in the the quality of and the importance they had in the business is just so shocking, and so forth was. 
it almost kind of a difficult thing to find people to play like Kurt Cobain. We're going to talk to Nazim, who plays Jimi Hendrix, uh, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison. I mean, these were more than just great entertainers. They were all kind of um, leaders in terms of cultural changes in music and so forth. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I'll be I'll be totally honest with you. Um, it was it it wasn't hard, but it was hard. The the Troubadour show. As soon as Rainey discussed the concept with me, I didn't have to think at all. I knew exactly who could do which part instantaneously. Now, when we're looking at having two, three, four cast deep, that's where the challenge now begins. But initially, I didn't. The only person that I didn't know who I could fill the position for was Robert Johnson. That one was a little bit hard to find, but the rest of the performers, it was literally a no-brainer. Like it just, I, I knew exactly who could do Jim Morrison and Kurt Cobain. I mean, it was. And that's only because I've been in L.A. for so long and uh, hosted a networking event for six years. So it was really easy just to just to think who's performed at that event. And uh, it, it made it really easy. But the challenge is to find more and more people. Yeah. Well, let's talk to Nazim. You're playing uh, Jimi Hendrix. Uh, again, big challenge, right? Most people agree he's the greatest guitarist of all time. You got to go out there and you got to not only capture the way he played the guitar, which is very difficult to do, but his whole persona. He was such an interesting uh, person at the time. How did you do it? I mean, did you start going back and looking at old concert uh, films of him and so forth and listen to records? How did you do it? Actually, no. So, Jimmy, for me, uh, I really captured me, I would say, about 15 years ago. It's when I got a. Uh, you know, I had Woodstock. You know, I always thought he was great. I liked him. But when I saw Monterey Pop Festival performance where, you know, that was his first big performance in America when he was found in, uh, brought from England, um, that's where it hit me. I saw him perform, and I went, whoa, it did something to me. And I just, since that day, I'd, I'd start watching the show before every performance to get inspired when I was playing my rock band. You know, and I would take moves here and there and kind of take his persona. It kind of happened very naturally, to be honest with you. And... It's something I always carry with me, man, and the clothes and the hats. I just, I really vibed it. So then, you know, it was kind of a natural thing for me. And even when I played guitar, um, if you know the way Hendrix plays chords, he uses his thumb. Yeah. He doesn't do bar chords. And that was something I naturally did when I started playing guitar. Um, so a lot of the playing kind of came natural to me and the rhythms and things like that. Um, so, you know, and then I grew up in the Bay Area in Oakland. I would sometimes do Hey Joe. It was the only song I would ever cover by him and I was comfortable doing and people loved it. I even got a manager out of it. And and so when I was in LA one day, uh, like Eric was saying, he was running a, a night at the Viper Room. I went in one night just to support because I don't always go there to play. One night I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go hang out and, and support. And that's where Eric approached me about it. And at first I was kind of like, oh, I'm not sure. You know, I was kind of... He was telling me the songs. I felt like I wasn't ready. But then, you know, I slept on it. I went, you know what? I got this. And, you know, we went to rehearsals. And it awoke in something else in me as far as Jamie, as far as uh, singing the other songs. That, besides Hazel, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, man, it was just, it was such a natural thing. Cause I already had, I would say, the, the, the Hendrix energy. Yeah, and that energy is important because all of those songs, as I think of those things, uh, the old Bob Dylan song, All Along the Watchtower, right. Purple Haze, all those things. When you hear those songs, if you were around in the 60s, I was a little kid in that time, but mm-hmm. it brings you right there. So it, it, it's more than just somebody singing a song. You can almost see 
the stuff on the screen as as you're playing it. And Hendrix was so great at that way. And I guess that's from uh, – so it's kind of – as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, well, you had an admiration for him that you decided to dive into this before you were going to – you ever thought of doing this. Exactly, man. It was just something that – and, you know, and again, it wasn't something like I'm going to be – you know, I'm going to play Hendrix and stuff. It was just I'm going to use the Hendrix energy persona that inspires me to play, you know. And I'd be in rock bands and, you know, funk bands, everything. I always brought that with me. You know, it was, it was just in me. So – and, of course, with the show, I mean – I've, I've, since I think we've done almost 60 shows now, mm-hmm. I've, I've, you know, there's a, a guy that runs an Instagram page I've been following for years, and I sent him the show, and he's been coming, and he's blown away by it. And he's been sending me very rare Hendrix things you can't really find online. And I've been diving into that going, whoa, I never knew he did that. I never knew he played that. He played this woman. And so now I'm diving even deeper. We'll hear more from Eric Himmel and Nazim Chambi in just a moment. Time now to visit the world of art with the art appraiser from the hit TV show Pawn Stars, Brett Maley. We've talked about it a number of times, just how important framing is to bring out a piece and so forth. And I'm just wondering, do you find yourself kind of talking people away from certain things? Because somebody might look at a, a frame and say, oh my God, that's way too ornate, or just the opposite. And in reality, for that particular piece, no, you got to think a little differently. Yeah, when it comes to framing a piece of artwork, I mean, that's very much a personal uh, taste, every bit, every bit as much as the art purchase itself. So although I try to, you know, guide people as to what might set the piece off best, and our framing staff here, they're experts, they've won awards at designing frames for works, ultimately it's your decision. And, we, you know, fortunately here at Art Encounter, we've got molding from Italy, we've got, you know, whatever you want, be it ornate or something streamlined that, you know, uh, you know leaves more of the impetus on the artwork itself, we can accommodate you. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you ever see anybody that kind of the old brown loafers on a tuxedo where, you know, that just isn't right? Well, absolutely. And yeah, the framing makes all the difference. I mean, we, we've had some pieces that have been brought in here that uh, have been million dollar pieces and they've gotten, you know, they got $10 frames on them. And, and it, it just really, you can't, you can't take your eye off the frame. And uh, same thing, I've seen $20 posters framed by our framing department where they look like million dollar pieces. So the framing is something you really do want to give consideration to both from an aesthetic standpoint and also too from a preservation and conservation standpoint. Framing is crucial to preserving your investment. You want to make sure you have, uh, you know, uh, acid-free materials. You want to make sure that it's UV protected, different things like that. And here at Art Encounter, we can advise you on that as well. Thanks, Brett. And don't forget to visit Art Encounter, the place for fine art and more, right here in Las Vegas. Just look up Art Encounter. If you love great sports from the past, make sure to go to Sports R-A-C-X, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Sports R-A-C-X. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Manchi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-437-1424. 800-437-1424. That's 800-437-1424. Did Louis the coin really soak the sheets with red wine in Rome? Yes. Did he really tell a federal court after testing positive for cocaine in his 70s that he only used coke for sex? Yes. 
Well, you can get these tales and more in the great book, You Thought It Was More, Adventures of the World's Greatest Counterfeiters. It's available now at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or at LouisTheCoinBook.com. That's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or at LouisTheCoinBook.com. Now, let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Eric Himmel, co-producer and musical director of 27 The Musical, and Nazim Chambi, the artist that plays Jimi Hendrix. Well, Nazim, you know, is everybody like you? Because, I mean, you actually... As somebody who, I was a little kid then, trust me, but I remember kind of the reverence people had that were big Hendrix fans, and you have that. Do the other people have that as well, with whoever they're performing as? Is it something that they all kind of bring that, um, truly a tribute? Are they bringing that uh, to the show as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone, you know, like... uh like you were saying, you know, everyone tries to kind of up one each other. It's like everyone inspires each other to do next. So if someone sees me perform and do certain things and go, oh, man, it looks like you've been doing this for a while, then they push themselves to get there. And, it's, and we all talk backstage. We all encourage each other. I'm like, you know, you just got to let go. Go for it. And everyone's been really killing it. I mean, yesterday I was sitting on the side actually watching the artist. I was watching um, Adi Dujanis, and I was truly blown away. And, you know, same with Jim Morrison and, and of course, uh, Kurt and then Amy. I mean, Amy Winehouse to me is one of the greatest uh, soulful singers. And Leah has been just taking that and taking it to another level, and it inspires me. And I go, whoa! Like she's really tapping into that man. And, and so that I think everybody's really killing it, man. As far as that that comes, you know, it's about letting go and just letting it happen, man. Just channel. You can't think about it. Well, no, it's exciting about like Amy Winehouse, for example, because I think sometimes she gets lost in all this. I mean, people that were fans realize how great, but she wasn't the obvious fit that some of these people were. And I think it's great that uh, we can remember her. And of course, comes from a different time, too. So, uh, right. Well, I, I got to ask you a couple things, Eric. Number one, okay, this is all about, unfortunately, the death at the age, the very young age of 27. Is that reviewed in the show? Will people get a little feel for the fact that these all died tragically were certainly too young. Yeah, it's, it, we actually have the show narrated in the in-between segments by John O'Hurley, the actor that was on Seinfeld. He played Elaine Foss, Mr. Peterman. He, yeah. he narrates the show. And throughout the segment, you learn about the artists. You learn about uh, the things that they did, like you know how Janis Joplin was such a big figure in the counterculture movement. And in fact, you know, we all just took a trip to San Francisco over the weekend and did a free promo show there. And it, I was telling Nazim last night, right before he, I, he went on stage, we were out on the side of the stage, I walked out to switch guitars, and I'm man, going on that trip now, because I had never actually been to the Haight-Ashbury district of San Francisco, I've been there a bunch, I never went to Haight-Ashbury. Mm-hmm. The narration like, kicked in the next level for me last night, and I was like, wow, it's really, it really, I see how the story is tied together now, actually experiencing that area of, the world and you can feel it too so you do go on a, a journey about how they impacted the music life and, and, and culture and everything and really what they stood for you know they, we talked about how Jimi Hendrix the whole point of the Star Spangled Banner was his opposition to the war and he had the sounds of you know bombs and gunfire he tried to do with his guitar so you learn about those things 
in in between the segments and about the artist. Well, yeah, and they're all really interesting personalities. I mean, and they're all kind of tragic figures, too, that had a lot of difficulties. I mean, I think of Janis Joplin, and you look back at her incredible career and some of the difficulties she had in her life. You know, you realize where that comes from. Amy Winehouse fought her her demons as well, Uh, all of these people. So it's it's so much talent, and yet we're kind of living on the edge a bit, too, and and really struggling with life. Yeah, we focus, we... We yeah, and that's a good point. We do focus a lot more about their impact. Is yeah, we don't want to upset anybody and right. talk about those things, even though they were known for those demons and known for that kind of erratic behavior and lifestyle and unpredictability. You know, we we really want to shine and hit the points of how they impacted uh, the world in a positive way. Absolutely. Well, people are in for a lot of fun. 27, a musical adventure. It's over at the brand new Virgin Hotel. Great place. Wonderful show. You've got to see it. Are you guys thinking about putting an album out? Because I was just looking at this and so forth. Thinking, I think a lot of people would love an album, you know, a soundtrack of this. <laughs> you know, I don't want to give too much away, you know, but I will, I will say that one of the thoughts I had originally was that, you know, I tape every show for my own reference. I was like, maybe there would be a way that people could get a USB stick or something. This was, I, I, I decided against it, but I was like, initially, like, maybe they could take a USB stick of each show they come to, but we have discussed the possibility of maybe doing one recording, but I will tell you that we will have more shows coming in more cities very soon. So that's been, that's kind of taken over the focus, but we, we definitely have thought about, like, you know, if you've, if you've seen Rent and any other Broadway or musical, right. they do usually put an album out of the original cast and, and such. So that's it's been in the, it's on the back burner for sure, but it's, it's there. It would be great to do that, I think. Well, Eric, Dazim, thank you so much for being with us. And everybody, go see this. It, one more time, is 27, A Musical Adventure. And uh, let us know, guys, when you are going to more places, we'll announce it across the country. We want to follow this because I think it's, for those of us that love that that whole music, and really, I think the best thing, the most interesting thing about the show is seldom do you have a thing where there's different types of music all meld together. It's really kind of a, a wonderful show. I think people will love it. Whether you are visiting Vegas or live here, you're probably always looking for a great Vegas show. A great place to look at that is over at VitalVegas.com, and that brings us to the proprietor of that great site, who is also your Vegas insider, Scott Robin. And as you might expect, Scott has a suggestion. I think we both feel that one of the absolute best shows in town that is always here is Absinthe. But they got more than just Absinthe. The company that does that you write about in Vital Vegas, a different thing called Atomic Saloon Show. Well, that's right. This company, uh, famous for their kind of offbeat ideas and their wacky humor that they infuse into their shows, uh, this is the same company. It's called Spiegel World. They uh, have done Absinthe. It just hit its eighth year anniversary at Caesars Palace in a tent outside. Went to the show recently. It's still very funny. Great variety acts. And uh, now 
uh, oh, they also did Opium at Cosmo, which has kind of flown under the radar, but it's it's uh, done pretty well and still around after a year plus. And so this new show, they they really are famous for sending out news releases and descriptions of their shows that make absolutely no sense whatsoever. I think part of that is they don't want to ruin it, but I think also part of it is they have no idea what this is actually going to be about. They kind of have a theme. They want it to be kind of country western, Nevada, neon, atomic, uh, who knows. So, But w- what you can rely on is it will be memorable. It will be odd, and it may be disturbing because a lot of the humor that they put in these shows is very adult. Uh, so if you're if you're sensitive, probably I don't know. I still say go because you're in Vegas. You gotta let off a little steam and let down your inhibitions a little bit. Don't be so stuffy. But uh, fair warning, right at the beginning of of each of these shows, they say if you're sensitive to language, get the f out. That's basically their disclaimer. Uh, this this show coming up. Really, nobody knows what it's going to be about. Uh, it's I trust it's going to have characters. That's kind of their signature thing is these kind of over-the-top characters in Absinthe. It's the gazillionaire, and uh, he's just this kind of buffoonish, kind of mega-rich kind of guy with a bad attitude. In Opium, there are multiple characters, and in this show, it sounds like there's uh, it's going to fit that same kind of format. They also do great variety acts. They get some of the best variety acts uh, in Las Vegas, and when the variety acts are strong, the show is strong. Thanks, Scott. For a great look into the daily activities in Las Vegas, you have to check out Scott's site, VitalVegas.com. Did Louis the Coin really soak the sheets with red wine in Rome? Yes. Did he really tell a federal court after testing positive for cocaine in his 70s that he only used coke for sex? Yes. Did he really take casinos for millions with homemade slot machine tokens? Absolutely. Want to ride with Louis the Coin at 160 miles an hour? Well, you can get these tales and more in the great book, You Thought It Was More, Adventures of the World's Greatest Counterfeiters. It's available now at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or at louisthecoinbook.com. That's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or at louisthecoinbook.com. Have you been Portnoyed yet? Well, you should be. What does that actually mean, Neil Portnoy? You send me a photograph, and I do a realistic cartoon caricature. Realistic looks just like you. And then I cartoon the body. How do we get information we want to get Portnoy? Uh, you can call the gallery at 702-685-2929 or on social media, Facebook, Portnoy Gallery, artist Neil Portnoy, Neil Portnoy, idroppeople.com, and probably about six other places that at my age memory is the second thing that goes. Coming up next to Sports Rock and Tours, go to Sports R-A-C-X, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Sports R-A-C-X. It's short for Sports Rock and Tours. And please follow both Vegas Never Sleeps and Sports Rock and Tours on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks for listening today. This is Stephen Manchie reminding you, Vegas Never Sleeps. Las Vegas, here we go!